So again today I want to walk through that in the entire progression of how we are going from here to there. How we are going from here to house church, right? And so we've laid out over the past several weeks this road map uh, of how are we getting there? How are we going to go there? Why are we going there? What are we doing? And I, I want us to remember this one thing before we start anything else this morning. I want us to remember this one thing is that this building is not our church. We've been very clear on that, I think, from the beginning, but it's good for us to reiterate that over and over and over, is that this building, this place, this pile of bricks that we're inside of is not our church. It's our church building. And I've always tried to try to distinguish that even in my family. Hey, I have to go to the church building, right? Not, I have to go to church, right? I... I, I because to go to the church means to go to be with you all. That's really what it's about. So we've all come from different places. We talked about that. We've all uh, have different stories of faith, different ways that we've uh, come to know the Lord, come to walk with the Lord, and come to be united with each other. And really this building that we're standing in has, has been part of one chapter. It's been one player, one character in one chapter of each one of our faith journey stories. And one chapter, maybe a big chapter or an important chapter thus far. If you're reading this story, you're like, wow, that was the most important chapter so far. Well, you haven't read the rest of them. But this building has been one character in that chapter. And so we're really thankful for it. And it is a great place. But we are beginning a new chapter this year. We will always look back and say 2020 was the year we started a new chapter as a church. And so I think it's, it's useful for us to go back to that question, what is the church? What is our church? What is the Firehouse Church? What is it? And I think the answer is right there in Scripture. If it's not in Scripture, then what are we doing? And I think the answer is here, Ephesians chapter 2. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We're going to talk some more about that dwelling place here in a minute, but I think this answers that question. What is the church? What is the church? Well, very clearly, the church is not what we do. The church is not where we meet. The church is who we are. The church is who we are. So when somebody says to you, this happens to me periodically or a variety of circumstances, and you meet somebody and they go, oh, what church do you go to? That's a really important question if you're a believer. I think when we walk out in the culture, there's a lot of Christians who I meet who it's not really an important question because they kind of change from one to the other to the other and they don't see it as, hey, this is a family. This is, this is a place that I am part of. This is a group, a fellowship, a dwelling for God. And so it's a really important question and there is a deep meaning when you answer the Firehouse Church when somebody asks you that question. I think it's really important because it defines who we are and it defines who I am and it defines who you are individually. 
And so we can go back to what Jesus said. What is the church? Again, Matthew 16, the first instance of Jesus calling people into the church. He says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. My church, my ecclesia, the Greek there means called out ones. My group of people called out. And he's building it upon what? Some say on Peter. Well, yeah, Peter, but Peter is the first one to sort of stand there and say, hey, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And so we as a group of people have made that same declaration and upon us, he's building that church. His group of called out ones, that is us. And Jesus is saying right here in this passage, the first time he calls people into the church, he is saying, I'm creating a new kind of organization. I'm making this new kind of organization and I'm calling it the church. And guess what? The gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. And again, this is so important. I go back to, you know what? Jesus could have made any any organization. He's God. He could make any organization he wanted to make. He could, it could follow any sort of pattern. But this is the pattern he wanted. And then it goes and it lays out what the pattern is and what all of those things are about the church are laid out in the New Testament. And so if we as a church start to look a little bit more like something else than what's laid out in the New Testament, there's a problem. If we start to look more like a business... I think there's a problem because we're not sticking to what Jesus said for us. It's really, really important. This is a really, really important verse. And of course, we understand that the church, yes, is a local thing, but there is a broader body, a church, sort of capital C church, right? And it's, it's a huge and it's big. It goes all across the world, all across geography, all across time, really. It's been going since Jesus set that up there, Matthew 16. And I love this passage in Hebrews 12. We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. It's not just us. We are in a great cloud of witnesses. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith and the founder and perfecter of the church. That's who Jesus is. And so there can be this tension, right? We understand, oh, we are low. I am individual and I am local, but I am part of something larger, right? And we can think of giant crowds. And there can be this tension in the church because we understand, well, the church, God's design is that the church would grow as a body. And yet we also understand that there's this need for us to connect individually life to life. And the larger things get, the more difficult it is to connect life to life. I ran across a church this week. I was, I was looking at their website. I know somebody who is part of this church. It's in a different state. And they claim on their website that they have 70,000 attendees, members. It was like, whoa, <laughs> that's a large number. And it's spread across a couple different states. And I get it. And I go, wow, that's crazy. How do you connect? I think you could go to that into that world and miss what Christ has called us to do. I go, that's a difficult thing to do. And we go, okay, well, I don't know. Maybe the Lord's plan is that we would be someday 70,000 members. I, I don't think so. It, it's possible. If that's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do. And I would say, regardless of what God's call is for a church, whether it's to be big or to be small, there is a call from Scripture. And that call is this. There is this purpose. There's a few purposes. And one of those purposes is that we would grow in the Holy Spirit. 
Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth and length and height and depth? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And I think that word there, that path with all the saints, it's a prepositional phrase, is very, very important. It's telling us that we can come to know the Lord and we can grow in the Lord, but what is an integral part of growing in the Holy Spirit is the fellowship of the saints. It is very, very important for us to be knit together in a local church. Do you want to be discipled? Jesus said, go and make disciples. Where are disciples made? In the church. That's what this tells us. It's in the church. And so we have this important call to grow in the Holy Spirit together as a group, as a local family, with all the saints. The Holy Spirit will fill us when we're in community. And so we went through this also uh, a little, a couple weeks ago. We talked about our strengths. Well, we're a church and we've been around, you know, 15 years. And what are our strengths? And we have a number of strengths. And I think it's always worth sort of reviewing those. The first one that we talked about is that when I look at our church, I go, wow, I think as a church we are really striving and working and, and I think doing a good job living out God's definition of a church. Now people might come in from other places and say, well, you're not a very good business. And I go, well, that's fine if we're not a very good business, but we're not trying to be a very good business. We're trying to be a church. We want to go with what God's definition of church is. And so I think we have those things. We have the mission. Our mission is what? Christ gave is the mission, which is the Great Commission to go into the world and make disciples. That's our mission. We know that's our mission. We have a purpose. In Ephesians chapter 4, our purpose is to be his temple, his dwelling. Again, we're going to talk more about that in a minute. The church has guidelines. We're trying to follow those guidelines given in the New Testament. We want to keep meeting together. So Jesus said, keep meeting together. That's what we're going to do. In 1 Corinthians, we're told... We need to remember Christ. We want to constantly be remembering what Christ has done. And we're doing that. We want to worship God together. It says that in Ephesians chapter 5. In Hebrews chapter 10, it tells us to pursue goodness together. We have a structure. Our structure, well, you could come up with all kinds of structures. We've tried to model the structure of our church upon that which is found in the New Testament. We're led by elders. Titus chapter 1 and Hebrews chapter 13. We also seek to uphold holiness in our church through discipline. In Matthew 18, we're told to do that. And so when I look at this, I go, wow, this is a checklist. And I feel like I go, oh, we're checking those boxes. Not, again, not that we're doing everything right all the time. But we're aiming for those things. We're striving for those things. And I think we're doing a good job with those things. I think another strength that we have is that we're spiritually healthy. Spiritually healthy. And I think spiritual health is not, oh, I'm doing lots of good works. That's not spiritual health. 
Spiritual health is saying, I understand my place before God. And I understand that I'm the sinner. I understand, like, like when Jesus told the story, I'm the tax collector who's beating, beating my chest and saying, I am a sinner standing before God. We understand that. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. And that's an attitude I see reflected in all of you in our church. I think we are honest about our weaknesses, but we are confident in God's strengths. I think that's a real strength in our church. Another one is that we're committed. We are committed disciples. Romans chapter 12. Present your bodies as living a sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I look around at this church and I say, wow, I see a, a group of people who are committed to walking the faith path, that faith journey God has set out for them. That path into renewal, to being holy and acceptable to God. We're a people committed to renewing our hearts and minds. That's encouraging to me. I'm also encouraged that we're laborers for the gospel. Probably stems from having that mission. We go, well, our mission is the Great Commission, and if that's the case, then we're going to be laborers for the gospel. 1 Corinthians 9.22, I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. I see that as a heart reflected in our church. You love lost people, and you want to get the gospel to them in any way you can. I think this verse really typifies what I see around us in our church. And you might say, oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm not doing a great job being engaged in my sharing my faith with my neighbors and my friends. And, but I think you have a heart too. I see that heart around us and it, it, maybe it comes and goes in our actions, but we have a desire to do this. We're laborers for the gospel. We're also lovers of each other. And that's the command we're given by Jesus himself there, John thirteen thirty five. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You guys are constantly looking for ways to bless each other. I'm so encouraged by it. I'm so encouraged by I'm so thankful for all of these strengths. I'm so thankful I get to walk and run this journey with you guys who have these strengths in your life. I said before, some churches, we've been around 15 years and other churches have been around 15 years or longer and they've been consumed with you know, getting up to 70,000 people and building buildings and, uh, you know, making money and expanding staff and those sort of things. But we have been growing disciples. And I would take growing disciples over all of that stuff every day. And so I think as we've looked at this, we've concluded, as Brad and I have, we've prayed and talked and sought counsel, and we just really sense the best path forward for the Firehouse Church is for us to just pursue being a family with whole hearts. And I am convinced when I think about this, like I look at the world around us and I say, I think maybe more now than ever in this country, in this culture, there is a need for the people around us to be in families. There is a need. I love the verse in Psalm 68. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families and he leads out the prisoners with singing. I mean, if you looked around, I'm sure you have, and you see just broken people upon broken people upon broken people, and I think that's, that's a consequence as our culture has moved from a moral culture to an immoral culture to a wicked culture. 
And that's where it is. And we look around and we go, wow, there are a lot of broken people around us. There are broken families. There are broken marriages. There are a lot of lonely people and a lot of people in spiritual bondage all around us. And what's the solution? What does this verse say? What is the solution? It says, God in his holy dwelling. You know, it could have just said, a father to the fatherless is God. Why does it say God in his holy dwelling? Why does it say that? Well, I think it's important. I think it is intentional. Nothing happens in the Bible by accident. God in his holy dwelling. Well, where is God's holy dwelling? Well, we saw that verse a minute ago. You are members of the household of God. You are being built together into a dwelling place for God. You are being built together into a dwelling place. Where does the healing come from? God's dwelling. Who is the dwelling place? You are. So we can kind of walk through the logic this way. Hey, we are surrounded by broken people and, you know, we understand our position before God. We are a bunch of broken people too. And we are surrounded by other broken people. And we go, wow, the solution is God. But the solution is more than just God. The solution is God and his dwelling. That's what it tells us in Psalm. God makes his dwelling in the church. We see that in Ephesians. So if we're surrounded by people and the solution is God and his dwelling, and then God makes his dwelling in the church, we get to be part of the solution. Isn't that exciting? God could just do whatever he wants, but he says, in my dwelling, in my church, that's how I'm going to bring the best to the world. And that's what we want to do, and that's what we want to pursue. We want to be that family that reaches into our world and helps the broken people. And that's really what Brad and I have as a goal for you. Our goal is that we would be united together to be agents of God's change in our world. And there is such opportunity before us in this culture that we live in. And so because we have this goal, we say, all right, so we have a church and we have an organization, and what do we want to do with this organization? A couple things we want to do. One, we want to just shorten that distance between you and the lost people. How can we make this organization be the most effective way for you to get to share the gospel with the lost people around you? We also will look at our organization and say the last thing our organization should be doing is dumping a bunch of stuff into your already busy worlds and taking up bandwidth that you could be using to reach the lost around you. And so that's our goals. And so what's our mission statement? It's this, reach the world with Jesus, starting here. That's been our mission statement. That's going to continue to be our mission statement. That is a theme that's going to run through the chapters of the story of this church. So we're going to go over this again of how we're going to get there. How are we going to get from here to there? Well, there's some practical things that have to happen. And so we've sort of asked and answered a bunch of questions last week, and I can go over those again here for us. We're going to have house church. How are we going to have house church? How often are house churches going to meet? Well, weekly. Meet weekly. That's what we're going to do. So this Sunday morning service is going to cease to exist. See, right now we have gospel groups and Sunday mornings. Those two things. We've got two meetings going. And over this season of about eight months or so, we're going to shift. And those gospel groups are going to become house churches. And eventually then, there won't be two meetings. There will be one meeting in those house churches. Okay, well, 
Are we going to keep meeting all together? Yes. Yes, we are. And that's really important. We, we sense that we have connections with each other and relationships with each other that go beyond those circles. And so it's balancing the small with the larger. And so we're going to continue to have those large meetings. We're going to have all church gatherings. They'll happen about every four to six weeks once we hit October. We want to maintain those relationships we have beyond our house church circles. Okay, well, what are we going to do in house church? Are we just going to sort of scoop up what we have here and just kind of repeat it in homes at small scales? Well, maybe a little bit of that, but we really want to just go back to what is the model? What's given to us? And it was given to us in Acts chapter 2. And we really showed four things that the church did. There was teaching. Teaching will take a variety of forms in our house church, but we will have teaching. There will be fellowship, just like we have here on Sunday mornings. There will be fellowship in those circles of being together, life on life, and sharing what's going on in our world. We will break bread. We will remember what the Lord has done for us. We will be doing that. We will have prayer, prayer including worship and singing. There's all different kinds of ways to talk to God and pray. And we're going to have that. And now, every meeting isn't necessarily going to like follow that pattern of, well, first we do this, and then we do this, and then we do this. And so there will be a lot of flexibility. And that's one of the beauties of being in a smaller circle is that we can have flexibility. <laughs> and really, our purpose is not to just do a bunch of stuff. What is our purpose? Our purpose is to be God's dwelling. That's what we want to aim for. And these things we trust because the Lord says that's what we should do. These are the things that are going to help us be the Lord's dwelling. So we could say, okay, who's going to lead it? Well, we're going to appoint some house church leaders here in the next few weeks. And there'll be somebody who's the point person for each one. It's not going to be Brad and I. Our goal is to really help connect everybody together. Uh, that's really how we're going to do it. But then there's also going to be this whole variety of roles and opportunities to serve in these house churches. And you probably be approached by people in your, in your house church by the leaders and say, Hey, would you consider leading this? Would you consider helping with this? And so forth. So when are we going to do that? When are we going to transition? And how are we going to transition to house churches? Well, we have from now until October when our lease is up on this building and we're going to transition there very gradually. So right now we've got these three, we've got these three gospel groups. And if you're not in one of those, this could be your opportunity to get into one of those. I'd love to have you join us in one of those because over the next several months, those are going to transition and become house churches. House church one, house church two, house church three. <clears throat> I hope we come up with more creative names than those. It's kind of like thing one and thing two. You can't tell them apart. We want to have different names, I guess, for those. We'll figure out how that happens as we go along. And so then eventually that's what we'll have, is we'll have these three house churches. So we're going to start that in two weeks. So in two weeks, we will have our first house church meeting. There's the times and the locations on those. Again, those times and locations are a little bit, I think they're a little more solid now than they were a week ago. They could still change, so, so pay attention to that. But that's where we're going to get those things started. So in two weeks, there will be no Sunday morning service here at the building. Then we'll come back and we'll do that for several more weeks, right? So here's how it's going to go. Between now and May, we're going to have house church once a month. So once a month on that first Sunday of the month, we'll be in house churches around that weekend. It may be on Sunday, it may be on Saturday, it may be on another day, but there won't be a service here on the first Sunday of the month, March, April, and May. And we'll come back here for the other weeks and be back here just like we are now. We'll continue doing that. Once we hit the summer, we'll start to increase that frequency of house church to about every three weeks. We get to August and September, it'll be every other week. Once we hit October and we don't have this building, it will be quote-unquote 
Every week, we will continue to have all church gatherings that will take the place of a house church about every four to six weeks. So that's how we're going to get there. Again, I'd say if you are in one of these gospel groups, please stick in one of these gospel groups. Unless there's some reason, you could talk to me and, you know, we're not going to you know, chain you into that house church or something. If there's a reason to make a change, we can make a change. But we just feel like that's a good place to start. And we're just really trying this out. Over the next eight months, we're going to try it out. And that's part of the reason of not just going to doing that every week is we'll go for a week and see how it goes and then make adjustments and then we'll go again and make more adjustments. And it gives us a chance to adjust and, and really get into a rhythm here. So we also asked the question last week, how can we get ready? I think it's a really good question. I was encouraged on Friday night as a gospel group, at the West Side group, we spent a bunch of time talking about how can we get ready? What are we excited for? What are we concerned about? And so there's some ways we can get ready for the church, for house church here. Some answers to that. One of those is we can really shift our priorities. And last week my emphasis was really we're going to have to shift our priorities from thinking about Sunday morning is where we get together with church to, oh, house church is where we get together <clears throat> with church. And, and I can understand, <clears throat> for most of us, there's going to be a tension and, and a shift here. I, I know, I, I, I realized, I was telling my wife, I, I've been going to church for 40 years. At least 41 years, 41 and a half years. How old I am, my parents have been taking me to church since I was a baby, and I went all through college, and, and as an adult, I've, I've always been going to church, and it's always been Sunday morning. In a big group, in a big place like this. And so I got to shift my heart. I go, oh, okay, like I'm in a, that's a deep groove in my life that's been made. And a lot of you probably have that same sense as well. And so we need to shift that priority. And so we're taking a chance here over the next eight months to, to kind of walk into that. But I, I think there's another shift we can have as well, which is a shift really from being a consumer to really being someone who's selfless and, and sacrificing. And, and, and I say that not in a, in a sort of derogatory way where I, you know, again, I think our, one of our strengths is we're not a bunch of consumers. And yet, I think we all kind of can be, right? We can sort of look at, oh, how do I interact with church? And how, how am I with you? And, and, and we all have these things that we sort of feel like we want or need in our lives or how they, how it interacts with church. Well, I kind of want this or I want that. I don't want that. And... I think the question that is going to be before each one of us when it comes to house church is, am I willing to take those things that maybe are my preferences and sort of lay them on the altar and say, wow, I just trust that the Lord has really put me here in this time and maybe my preference is this other thing, but I'm going to, I'm going to lay it on the altar and, and, and do the thing that this group is doing for the sake of unity and for the sake of building God's dwelling here together. I think about, you, you know, we can, this is going to be a real heart test for us, for all of us, and for me included. I think everybody, there's going to be this heart test where we can get into this habit to these routines and we go, yeah, I'm with this, this is good, and then something changes and it kind of rubs against us in this funny way. And I was thinking of a story of a young man who was, was part of our church a, a couple years ago, and he, he came for a little while, and then he, he like said, I want to meet you, and took me out to coffee, and we sat at coffee, and he said, you know, I really just really love this church, and I'm just telling you, I've decided to make it my home, and I'm with you. And I was like, wow, that's really encouraging to me. Literally a week later, we had a, a Wednesday night prayer on the porch where we go and knock on doors and offer to pray for neighbors. And he showed up to that, and it was like he didn't know what was happening. And when we described what was going, he like stormed out in a huff. Like apparently that was a problem for him. And we never saw him again. <laughs> 
And it was like, oh, things were great until something rubbed him just the wrong way and he was gone. And I go, okay, whatever. That was sort of his heart thing. But I think for all of us, we can all look at that and say, ooh, things are changing. When things change, when something is a little bit different, it can sort of rub me the wrong way. Our heart into this cannot be, I will do this if it works for me. If it doesn't work for me, I'm not doing it. That can't be our heart. That's not God's call for us. You know, I don't think Jesus wanted to go to the cross. But he went to the cross. And so I may not want to meet on Saturday night. But if he wants me to walk down this path of this faith journey, then I'm going to do that. And that's what I need to do. So I think a great question we can ask ourselves for self-reflection is this. When I think about the church, and I think about serving, and I think about laying down my life today, am I serving in ways that I don't really want to, but I'm serving because I'm needed? Or am I serving in ways where it fits my needs and my wants, and I can kind of, I don't have to get real uncomfortable to do that. It's a good question for self-reflection. It's one I need to ask myself as well. Another way we can get ready for house churches, we can really renew our hearts for the lost and wandering people. Again, as things change, we go, oh, I need to get my eyes up. Maybe my eyes have been down a little bit and focused on things or I'm just into my habits. Maybe I need to get my eyes up. And I know in my family, we started talking about that. Of, Oh, who are some lost people we know? How can we be invested for them? How can we have them into our home? How can we work towards inviting them into our house church? And I think each house church, my encouragement to each house church is going to be this. Know the lost people that people in your house church know. Know them. Pray for them. Plan to meet with them. Make friends with them. Invite them into things. And I think some of that leads into that third thing is what can we do? We can pray. We can pray. We can pray. We can pray personally. We can pray as house churches and we can pray corporately. And in fact, next week, the last week of this series is that's exactly what we're going to do. Is we're going to pray over this process and for the lost and wandering people we know in our lives. So we talked about those three things last week. And I wanted to add just a couple more things in here that I thought would be important for us as a church. Is how can we get ready for house church? And one of those is this. This is just to keep giving. To keep giving financially. And we, we don't always, we rarely get up and, and talk about money or giving. But I just want to say I am so encouraged by you guys. There's a, a faithfulness and a faith-filledness in this church when it comes to giving. I'm just so encouraged. And I go, wow, the Lord has really blessed us in that. But don't stop. You could just, it would be very easy, I know, even for me to be like, oh, well, things are changing, and we've talked about how we're spending all this money on this building, and now we're not going to, and so maybe they don't need it anymore. Well, we still have to keep paying for the building through October, right? But our hope and our prayer is that as we all continue to contribute, there's going to be opportunities to take those funds and distribute them and to use them for really kingdom-building stuff that's, you know, right now is really tied up in, in running this facility. So keep giving. In faith, thank you so much for giving. Just keep doing, keep keep going after that. If you're going, hey, I haven't been giving, but I would like to. I would love, love to talk to you personally, or you could talk to one of our finance guys about how to make that happen, how to make it work. So that's another way we can, maybe that's not getting ready, it's just a, oh, a reminder, keep giving. And another is to just serve, like we said, in needed ways. There's a bunch of needs. There'll be needs in your house church. There'll be different ways to serve in those circles. But I think also as we make this transition, there's going to be additional needs. We've got some additional needs, right? We have this whole facility. 
And we kind of have to liquidate it. <laughs> it has to be liquidated. And we have to make some changes. We have to, have to change things that we're doing. And so kind of what we're, we're asking here is you, you, sometimes, like, so when we moved into this building, we did a capital campaign, right? And we said, hey, if everybody could, in addition to your regular giving, we'd like you to consider giving more money so that we can build this thing and, and make all the improvements that we needed to, right? And fortunately, in, the, in this case, we just say, okay, just, just keep giving as you are, and that's great. But when we look at the things that need to get done between now and October, there's a lot. There's a lot of things. There's, and so what we've decided is this is, in, in some ways, it's kind of a, a capital campaign of time. And we understand, hey, keep being committed to what we're doing and meeting all together and being committed to your house church and, and gospel groups and this whole schedule of, as we work towards getting down to one meeting a week and we're still in two. But there's some more things that we need, right? And so we've got some, we're creating some teams as a church. Just like when we moved in this building, we created teams and we assigned a team to the, to the floors and, and, and Brad was in charge of the floors and they didn't always get the ventilation right and somebody almost died. No. <laughs> Poor Jeremy had to, had to paint every, every inch. He, he and a bunch of you painted every inch, and so we're going to make him take all the paint off the walls. No, we're kidding. We're not going to do that. Those are the teams. But we made teams, and everybody had teams, and they, they participated. Well, we're going to have some teams here of, of transitioning into these house churches. So those teams, one of them is we've got a financial adjustment team where we just, you know, we're going to have our, our finance guys, our finance team be looking at things, and they may, may need some help as we look at, at changes to insurance and uh, church office and how we do our books and those sort of things. There's, there's a team there. Uh, we could really use a team of people to go look for a place for us to have those all-church gatherings. You know, this is a great spot, but it's not going to be available to us after October. So we got to meet somewhere, and it would be really helpful to have some people go sort of scour the land and say, okay, what's available, and what's it cost, and what does it have? And, you know, I could do it, but I'd probably just call one place and be like, yep, sounds good, and it might not be the best thing. So it would be great to have some a team doing that. We also have a bunch of stuff. You guys are sitting in a bunch of chairs that we don't really want to store. Right? we got to get rid of those. There's all kinds of stuff in this building we need to get rid of. And so we'd like to have a team of people who are the, we call them the BLT, the building liquidation team. Of how do we get, how do we pass this stuff off in a, in a good way? How do we either sell it or give it to other churches or take it home ourselves or keep it to use, uh, pass it into the house churches, that sort of thing. So there's a team there. Um, then we're also going to have a team that's just really going to revamp how do we communicate? How do we communicate to the world? Right? A website is a website is a website, but it needs to say something different. And Facebook needs to say something different. And we'd even like to look at how do our house churches communicate with each other? How are we, how are we staying connected on a day-to-day -day basis with that? So there'd be a whole team dealing with communication. So, if you're interested, and if you say, yeah, I would love to serve in one of those ways... You pray about it. You go, yeah, I'd like to do that. You could talk to me. You could talk to Brad. You could talk to one of your gospel group or house church leaders and say, yeah, I'm really interested in doing that. And we'll get you on that list. And we're going to get those things rolling here in the next month or so. So uh, that's what we're going to do. So that's how, how can we get ready? That's how we can get ready. So I hope that each one of us, I know I am, I'm working on these things going, all right, I'm going to get ready because we're opening a new chapter as a church. And it starts in, in two weeks. And so next week we're going to pray, and then we'll walk into that in two weeks. So that's what I had to share this morning. If you've got questions, again, I'd love to, to chat with you afterwards or uh, during the week or whatever. I, I'm just trusting the Lord that he's got good for us here as we move forward. So I'll go ahead and pray and, and close this for this morning. 
yeah, God, uh, God, we're ready to just walk into a new chapter as a church here. Um, and God, we, we recognize that uh, anytime we, we go into something new, we, we might uh, come across things in our own lives that we go, ooh, I, I maybe gotten comfortable in that thing and I'm, I'm not really honoring you in that or I maybe really just sort of got set in my ways here and, oh, but Lord, we're just convinced as a church that this is the path you're going to walk us on. And Lord, we want to do it in humility and we want to do it in a process of going, okay, what, what would you have for us and, and how can we learn and how can we adjust? We confess first and foremost, we, we don't have all the answers. We don't have a manual for how to do this. God, we're just going to walk through the door and trust you're going to lead us in that. And God, it takes a special kind of heart. A heart yielded to you in worship. So Lord, I pray that you would give each one of us that kind of heart to be yielded to you in worship. God, we think about those verses. Lord, it just really strikes me that, Lord, you, you could just go change the world. You've got enough power. You've got all the power. And yet, somehow, you want to set the broken in families. Set the lonely in those families to be the father to the fatherless. And one who cares for widows and, and orphans and lost people. God, you want to do that? And somehow you want to use us? God, you want us to be your dwelling and you in your dwelling to change and reach the world. God, that's what we want to do. And so God will do it by your power and we'll do it together because that's what you've asked us to do. So Lord, help us as we walk this out. Uh, Lord, help us to have grace and compassion for each other as we go through this process. And thank you for sending your son to die in our place. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.